You're listening to the God, God Life Culture, Culture Podcast, Podcast, where faith and what's trending collide. Welcome, welcome back to the latest episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. This is Eddie. What's up, everyone? This is Miguel, and we are so happy that you are tuned in to the God Life Culture Podcast for a brand new episode. Um, If this is your first time listening, welcome to our podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for um, joining us on this podcast journey. We want you to hit that subscribe button. If you are not subscribed, so you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button, like, comment, share, do all of those things that help um, introduce our podcast to more and more listeners. Eddie, how are we feeling today? We are feeling <laughs> as good as we could feel. I mean, listen, we've had, it's only like the third week of June and it's been a lot. It yeah. was your birthday. It was my birthday. Uh, you know, we did a bunch of stuff to celebrate and just have a good time. We went to the Maverick City concert, yes, um, which was our first concert in eons. Um, and it was great. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to speak for you. I mean, at least for me, it was really cool. Um, all the people that were there, you know, Maverick City, we had Brandon Lake, you had Kirk Franklin, you had House Fire, uh, Anthony Evans showed up. Jonathan uh, McReynolds. Jonathan McReynolds was there. You know, it was a packed house yeah. of uh, a lot of worshipers. And it was a long concert that I personally didn't feel that it was long. Yeah. You know, it was like four plus hours and it didn't feel like four plus hours. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. And I think that our section was a cool section. And yeah. I think one of the things that I really liked uh, that they did was they were really good at understanding that it's very possible you're sitting amongst people you have no idea who they are where they come from so kind of familiarize yourself with them real quick yeah. like in the top of the of the concert uh, so you know it was a good group it was a good group of people in our section you know they it wasn't they weren't too crazy but they also weren't there with a stank face not moving or anything like that um, so I think it was good. I think it was a good concert. Yeah, it was great. I mean, for me, I always love when you are in a packed building, mm-hmm. um, stadium, arena, it was 6, church. Plus. Yeah. yeah. And you just hear everyone singing and mm. you feel the energy of the room and you just see everyone's excitement. I think that is something that feeling needs to be experienced. If Mm. you are just worshiping with people in your church and that's it, I encourage you to go out to a big camp, go out to a concert like that and just experience the, you know, uh, the experience of a collective worship, right? Mm. Having a bunch of people just belting out worship and praise and songs. Um, you know, it definitely moves you. Right. And it's encouraging just to also know that, you know, you're not alone, that there Mm. are other people, um, you know, on this walk with you. And, you know, one of the things that I loved about the concert as well that I think they did an excellent job in one was their song selections. Mm. I think they chose the songs that, you know, everyone knew they Mm -hmm. had a balance of the old and the new, you know, Maverick City and even Kirk Franklin. Um, But I really loved the integration. Right. Mm. It was not like it was a Maverick City concert and then a Kirk Franklin concert. Mm -hmm. It truly was both of them intertwined. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One didn't leave the stage at really, I think, at any point. Mm. Right. So Maverick City was on the stage as Kirk Franklin sang his stuff. They sang with him. Kirk sang with Maverick City. They talked in between. You know, so I think that's also, you know, uh, really cool to see. 
Um, you know, they opened up the concert, which I thought was amazing with uh, I Thank God, right, mm -hmm. Maverick City, and then immediately jumped to like a Kirk Franklin song. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it was just really cool how they were able to kind of go from a Maverick song to a Kirk song, you know, to a medley of, a you know, a few of Kirk songs and then a medley of Maverick songs intertwined with something of Kirk. Like, I think it was really good. Um, they did their collaboration, you know, mm -hmm. songs as well. Kingdom, they did Bless Me, which, you know, we spoke about in last week's podcast. Um, but I think it was, you know, a great concert. And I have to say, Maverick City uh, definitely did their thing. Mm -hmm. And they, um, you know, their energy, their their heart of worship, their excitement mm -hmm. and all of that is amazing. And it can be felt right. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if it's just his longevity, his experience <laughs> or what it is. But Kirk killed. <laughs> <laughs> it that night uh, um and i think you know it, it was funny because kirk you could um distinguish his background singers yes. right from oh, listen, maverick and his, his singers. background singers there were only were. three of them right mm -hmm. a guy and, and two ladies and let me tell you it sounds like 43 they fooled of them. you yes. you thought it was a whole choir yes. a whole you know group of people singing and it was just like them three yes you know holding it down yeah. but it was great and i think you know they did a great job and i just love the their movement and also the attention that they're getting both in christian circles non-christian mm -hmm. circles believers non-believers mainstream even um we know kirk has kind of crossed over into mainstream yes. throughout his career as well so i think bringing both of them together mm -hmm. um was definitely was definitely a great move and they mm -hmm. also have a new album that came out right mm -hmm. um kingdom book one so you guys mm -hmm. can go check out that album where you know they were in prison you know in singing in a prison they recorded the whole album there uh -huh. right they were in prison <laughs> um <laughs> singing there and you know it was just, it's awesome to see the videos again mm -hmm. we spoke about this um and even the album itself has some new songs mm -hmm. but it also has a few of kirk franklin's you know older songs that you know he did with maverick and also the people there so definitely go and check out kingdom book one yeah go right ahead so yesterday was father's day Yes. Um, and I think keeping on, um, you know, the tradition, how we did for last month with Mother's Day, um, we wanted to take advantage and just like speak about the subject of fatherhood. Um, but, you know, we are a God Life Culture podcast, so we got to, you know, throw in some Jesus um, and the Bible in there as well. So I think it'll be really good to, you know, kind of look at some examples in the Bible of fathers um, and maybe like a couple of things that we can learn from each and every one of those. I think that, you know, one of the things that we come to understand is that everyone, every story, everything in the Bible is purposeful. Um, so good, bad, or ugly, you know, there's a lesson to be learned um, from the experiences that are put in the Bible. Um, so why not highlight those men uh, that also were dads? And, you know, let's shout them out and see if maybe, you know, you, you can envision yourself or maybe there's a life lesson uh, or a life situation you're going through at the moment that yeah. they taught a life lesson on that you could really, you know, apply to your life today so who else to start with than the first man to be created but adam right um i think we all know adam as the first human <laughs> to be yeah. created winds up being the first man to be created who also becomes the first human father uh, and i think that his story is unique because you know although he had the ultimate father of all fathers to look up to uh but he really didn't have an example of like human to human 
uh, <laughs> relationships. Yeah. You know, you know, there's one thing to have your dad be the almighty God. And then there's another thing to have a human dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he is the first human dad uh, to make the mistakes and to do things he wasn't supposed to. And, you know, to kind of like figure it out. And, you know, it kind of, you know, sets a toad for the rest of us. Uh, but I think that one of the things, a couple of things that you could learn uh, from the story of Adam is, you know, that God is looking for fathers who freely choose to obey and submit to him. You know, yeah, he messed up. He, you know, they had that whole situation in the Garden of Eden, got kicked out. But after all of that, you know, he didn't say, screw you for kicking me out. You know, he still continued his best to try to live a life of obedience um, unto God and, you know, to submit to his love. You know, fathers with integrity live in the knowledge that nothing is hidden from God's sight, which is very true. And instead of blaming others, godly fathers take responsibility for their own failures and shortcomings um you know we're, we're human yeah point blank period so unfortunately you know we are gonna come up short in certain areas we're gonna make mistakes consciously and you know subconsciously about other things and you know sometimes it kind of you know you have to take ownership of that and be like you know what i messed up whatever it is even as a dad as a dad you make mistakes maybe you um you reprimanded one of your kids without even giving them the opportunity to speak on it. Yeah. Or maybe you're judging them uh, or like you're expecting them to abide by certain rules and regulations that you yourself don't even have the capability of doing it. Um, so, you know, dads, it, it's, you know, we're human. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of Adam, you know, I'm bringing up the fact that he didn't have anyone to look to. Right. Because I think that this is something, you know, whether we're talking about parenting, whether we're talking about just, you know, in a career as, you know, a student, whatever it is, um, you always like to look at what was done before or examples. Mm. Right. To see like this is what to do, what not to do. What did this person do? How did they, you know, manage to do this or get to this place? And. Adam didn't have, you know, the book on parenting, you know, (laughs) he didn't have, you know, people to look and see like, all right, you know, that seemed like it didn't work for this family. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this, you know, and I think it's a great example to those individuals even today who may feel like they did not have the example of a father in their life, right? That they did not have a father figure. They did not have, you know, a man to look at that, you know, showed them love, that showed them guidance, that was there for them, that nurtured them, that cared for them, that gave them advice and Mm. all of those things where ultimately, you know, it is possible to make the choice Mm -hmm. that in spite of not having that example, right. And in spite of not having a father figure present in your life, you yourself, right. Will be a great father. Yeah. Right. And you know, there are countless people that I know that are, you know, have been in that situation and you know, they, they may take the decision and make the decision to be a great dad. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we kind of see that, that oftentimes you may not have the example in your life. You may not have the the playbook, right, on how Mm. to do things. And even I think when you have great examples, when it's you and you're put in that situation and now you're a dad, it's it's almost like, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, you got to figure it out as well, you know. Um, But definitely, I think, you know, also with the point of, you know, knowing that nothing is hidden from God's sight, you know, Adam tried it. Right. Tried to, you know, hide and try to, um, I guess, you know, uh, cover himself from God. And like you said, I think oftentimes when it comes to fathers, it's we get not we I'm not a father, but uh, they get associated, they get associated or put in the box of um, 
you know, they're emotionless. They mm. don't, you know, care as much or they're not as nurturing or, you know, they like to do everything on their own. And we see here a moment where even Adam himself, right, did something messed up, tried to hide it, tried to cover, didn't want to show weakness. And, you know, God still mm. was there. God still basically exposed him and spoke to him and you know we know the story from there but yeah. definitely you know i think adam uh is a cool and unique example mm-hmm. you know of a father and especially the the idea of having you know they had adam had way more kids mm-hmm. right but we know of a of uh abel and cain mm-hmm. right and even that situation mm-hmm. cain killing abel yes, you know adam yeah. having to then deal with that mm-hmm. and navigate that you mm-hmm. know would have been, I'm sure, very tough. Yeah, I mean, and those are situations where it's kind of like, as a parent in general, but today we're focusing on dads, it's kind of like um, situations come up that are left field or situations come up that is not even expected. Like maybe you went to, you know, the the, the father seminar, you took six weeks or whatever, you know, but at the end of the day, your kids create scenarios which then you have to intervene or you know advise on or address whatever you know those are you are kind of like working with other people's messes uh you know so in a situation with the Cain and Abel situation you know it's a situation he had to deal with but it was after his kids or you know Cain made a horrible decision and you know unfortunately as dads we have to deal with our kids and the good bad and ugly decisions that they make Yeah, and the next father that we're going to look at is Noah, right? Mm. And Noah is that example of the individual who clings to God in spite of the craziness around him, Mm. right? Um, In spite of what society says a father should do, in spite of what culture says how a father should be. You know, the mother's the one that nurtures and cares. The father, you need to be strict and disciplinarian, and you need to, you know, be tough and rough, and right? Um, You know, they, they... in spite of what culture and society says and the stigmas, they choose, you know, to be the dad that they, you know, know is right to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And Noah um, was the one that even when God gave him instructions, when God told him this is what's coming, he needed to obey God, follow God's instructions, regardless if people believed him, didn't believe him, made fun of him, accepted the message. And Noah did what he had to do for his family mm-hmm. to protect And, you know, make sure that his family was covered. And a lot of times I think, you know, um, dads are are put in situations where they need to do what's right for their family. Right. It may not seem like a good decision to someone looking from the outside in. It may not seem like, you know, the best decision, the Mm -hmm. wisest decision. Right. But when you are guided, you know, by God and, and his spirit, Um, It may not seem right to everyone. It may not seem like that's what you should do. It may Mm -hmm. not seem like that's how you should raise your kids. But if this is what God is leading you to do, you must obey. And it brings me back to, you know, when I was in school, I went to a private school from kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm. And um, I was always a witness to my parents um, having conversations, whether it were certain family members or friends, about why they would have me and my brother in a Christian school mm-hmm. and not a public school. And they would say things like, oh, you have them in a bubble. They're not experiencing the real world. You have them so protected. You're so overprotective. And it was always this thing, right, regarding the schooling. Mm-hmm. Now, public school, you know, in case, uh, obviously, you know, you don't, if you don't know, public school is pr- basically like free, right? In a way, like you pay taxes and stuff like that, but yeah, you're not yeah. paying monthly. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
mean? Um, not a extra tuition. money. You're not on paying top, tuition. Yeah, on yeah. top of uh, you know whatever you pay during tax season and all that stuff. Um, private school, you're paying monthly, mm. right? Tuition. You're paying for you know books and you're paying for uniforms and mm. all of that that you may not be paying for in a public school, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was a sacrifice for my parents. And I remember there were years where it was really tough. There were years, you know, then for um, about, um, I can't do math, so I'm not even going to say that, but for a while. <laughs> That's private <laughs> right? school education. Yes, you that? <laughs> yes, that is not. Uh, but, um, you know, my brother uh, was also in school mm. then. So then it was like me and him, mm-hmm. you know, for years. Then when I graduated, he still had five years, mm-hmm. you know, to go and all of that. So it was definitely um, a sacrifice, but they did what they felt God was leading them to mm. do. And every year, though times may have gotten tough some years more than others, and, you know, God always provided for them, mm-hmm. you know, to send us to that school. You know what I mean? Um, now, could we have gone to public school? Absolutely. Could we have been fine at the end of it? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. But this is the story and the trajectory that God wanted my parents, you know, on and wanted for us. Yeah, and yeah. that's OK. Yeah, so absolutely. it brings me back to, you know, just hearing those comments growing up of, mm-hmm. of people saying those things. My parents stick into their guns like, OK, that's you. But this mm-hmm. is what we're doing. Yeah. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. Li- listen, that reminds me nothing as, as big as that. But that reminds me when our first son was born. Um, you know, I had, I shared this idea with my wife and, you know, we came to the conscious decision in agreement to that, which is, I was like, cause this is what happens when a new baby is born in church, they become the football and they're being passed around throughout the whole service. And I was like, that's not going to be us. So first of all, I don't want my kids in everybody's arms. That's just how it is. Um, second of all, especially during a service where he's here he's in the first bench and one minute you blink he's in the back bench and then you blink again he's with this other person and this idea of like passing him around as his trophy um was something that was like I'm, we're not subscribing to that and you know when somebody asks you um can they see the baby or something like that in the middle of a service which they shouldn't be doing um you just be like okay maybe later or something like that um and that rubbed a lot of people's feathers the wrong way because it was like oh why can't i hold your baby and i wanted to say because i didn't want that i want you to <laughs> you, you can't say it like that right. uh, but it's kind of like no you know it's kind of that's not what we're here for like yes he's adorable because he's my kid absolutely um <laughs> yeah you know that whole thing with like people like wanting to like grab and like do google god guys to the baby and stuff like that um i just felt like it was a distraction yeah and i'm one of those people that i hate being a distraction in a service i hate when my kids are distracted in the service and i understand that they're kids so sometimes they have like little temper tantrums and stuff like that or whatever so how whatever i can do to be of a less distraction to other people during the service is kind of like my mindset for that um so even with like little decisions like that where as a parent you're like you know we're gonna make this decision and to you it's not that big of of an idea but you have situations where for other people it is and they are in their feelings or they're like no pass it to me and you know you have to litigate with that and like really like work through that with people but you know it's kind of like look at the story of noah you know someone who was building an ark and was telling people get ready and you know was having his kids work with him and doing all this stuff and people were looking at him like why are you doing that you guys are crazy he kept on doing it he kept on doing his thing and it's kind of like you have to do that as a dad whatever you think is best for your family for your kids you know regardless of what other people are saying and they're saying you're crazy or you're too overprotective or you're too this 
you look at them, you be like, that's the decision I'm making and you keep it moving. And at the end of the day, you do what's best for you and yours. You know, your first ministry as a dad is your home, is your family. And God is going to call you accountable for that. You can't go to him and be like, yeah, but you know, I was listening to Mindy and she told me I should do this. Or I was listening to, you know, to Frederick and he told me like, he's going to be like, no, but I told you or I yeah. put this in your heart to do it a certain way. Why are you listening to other people? For sure. Yeah. So that was a cool tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, we have Abraham, uh, you know, this father of a nation. Uh, but Abraham's story is a little crazy, you know, especially when you look at his situation with his son, Isaac. Yeah. And, you know, what God had demanded from him um, in reference and going on that same like train of thought. The you know, when God is asking you to do something in reference to your kids and his story is wild and, you know, I'm almost banking that God isn't asking anybody to do this now in 2022. Uh, but, you know, the idea of just, you know, like being obedient to God, even though you yourself think the idea is crazy. So it was like we we're talking about the whole situation, how, you know, your parents made your decision. I made my decision as a father. I didn't think my idea was crazy. Your parents didn't think that their idea was crazy. Now, what do you do when you feel God is tugging you or telling you to do something and you're like, that is crazy. I don't know if I should do it. Look at Abraham. You know, he's an example of someone who, even though the situation seemed like wild, um, you know, he was obedient and he yeah. was like, all right, Lord, if you're telling me to do this, it's for a purpose, it's for a reason, you know, and I'm going to trust that you are going to do what you have to do at the end. Um, and he's an example of that. You know, he's the type of person that God, you know, is looking for fathers to be people of genuine faith. You know, like, Lord, this looks, I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust that you're in control. You know, he wants people to understand that God's purpose and plans are revealed in phases over a lifetime of obedience. And that is a doozy. Yeah. I think we can definitely learn, you know, um, whether you are a father or aspiring to be a father, mm -hmm. right, um, from Abraham and the idea that Abraham had Isaac, right, mm -hmm. and Isaac was the promised child. This mm -hmm. was the child Abraham waited for, mm -hmm. right? Um, although before Isaac, we have the whole, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Ishmael situation and all of that. I hopefully, I think Abraham learned, you know, after that, <laughs> that God had mercy and Mistakes. grace. Mistakes, he was human. You know, yeah. He did, he did but Isaac was that promised child that I'm sure there was a special love for mm -hmm. Isaac, right? Um, but I think oftentimes, um, and we've seen it, where there are parents whose children are, and I don't want to say their world, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like you love them and everything, but their children, it's like a love, almost like this excessive love, mm -hmm. right? And um, where even their children kind of become idols to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's almost like the reminder of, yes, you can love your children to death, right? But your love for God has to be priority, right? Mm. Your love for God has to be number one. And, um, you know, we have seen even in the example there in the Bible, there are examples of, you know, people who kind of, you know, let their children do whatever. And even when those decisions were horrible. Right. Um, and then we see the consequences of that. Right. We look at the prophet. Right. In the Bible, um, Eli, who ha went through a similar situation with his kids and it wasn't good. Um, and I think not that this is what God was teaching Abraham in this moment, but it's almost like Abraham, you know, the father, are you willing to sacrifice this son, right? Mm -hmm. The promised child. Are you willing to obey me and put your love for me before the love 
for your child, mm. you know? And I love what God does because I don't think we serve a God that is out to get you, you know, to, to kill people in your life, mm. you know, out of like his, in his name and, you know, to show that you love him more and is going to, you know, put you through situations like that. Um, so I love how in that story, it's not like Abraham had to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And we see like then he had to recover and all right. It was therapy, almost like that, right, yeah. right. It's <laughs> like God was trying to teach Abraham a lesson, mm-hmm. but then, you know, didn't allow for that whole thing to go all the way to the end. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think it's just important for us to, you know, have that in mind that even the love that we have for our children, you know, um, it's so hard talking about this. I'm not a dad, but I keep saying our words yeah, and my uh, but prophetic, just know, prophetic. yes, yes. <laughs> But the love that, you know, you would have for your child, yeah. right? Um, your love for God has to be even greater. And yeah. God's love for both you and your child is even greater than the love you have for your child, mm-hmm. you know? So definitely um, Abraham is is one, uh, you know, to look at, right? Then in talking about Abraham, we have Isaac, mm-hmm. right? Um, the son of Abraham. And think about the footsteps and the shoes Isaac had to fill in a way, right? Having Abraham as your dad, and here you are, Isaac, the promised child, the one that I'm sure a lot of people were looking at and had eyes on, right? And, you know, you have Abraham who was such a good leader, and then you are next in line. You know what I mean? Um, having gone through the experience of almost being sacrificed and killed, you know what I mean? But learning that, you know, um, early on, um, Isaac, I'm sure, had felt that pressure. Yeah. Right. And I think that there are dads out there who may also feel that pressure, maybe because they feel like their dad was great and amazing and like they almost need to live up to that. Or just the pressure of, you know, being a great dad because you didn't have a great dad and Mm -hmm. you have that pressure of just wanting to make sure that your child knows that you love them and that you're there for them and that they're protected and all of that. Um, but I think one thing that we can learn, you know, from Abraham, from Isaac, I'm sorry, is the idea of favoritism, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I can't speak on this. Maybe you can. Right. But the idea of, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. um, I can't see Mm. how you can have multiple kids Mm -hmm. and have a favorite Mm -hmm. in my eyes. Mm hmm. I'm not there, so mm-hmm. I don't know, <laughs> right? But um, you know, growing up, I had a sibling. I had, a, you know, I have a brother, right? So a younger brother. Um, not gonna say that there were moments, you know, because I think every kid would go through that, where you go through the stage of like they let him do whatever he wants, and yeah. they, right? That's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been witnessed in mm. conversation of parents expressing their favorite child mm. in front of the child and the brother or this. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think when it comes to that idea, I think your love for the children may be different Mm -hmm. and expressed differently, Mm -hmm. but now to show the favoritism and let it be known and let it be a thing. Like this Mm -hmm. is your favorite child, you know, and this is the mom's favorite child. Like that's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, we can add, we can throw Jacob into that conversation as well. Um, You know, Jacob was someone who his story is, I was going to say funny, it's not, it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because he was kind of like a conniving person in the beginning. You know, him and his mom got together to steal his brother's birthright and that whole shebang that happened. Uh, But then we see later on he has kids and he has like 12 kids or something like that. And uh, one of them was 
his favorite in one way or another. You know, we see Joseph as this person who his brothers loathe him because of that. And I think that there is a, as a parent, especially, I mean, listen, he had 12, uh, 12 sons. So, you know, someone was going to get on his nerves more than somebody else. Um, but then I think that as a parent, you may find yourself having a lot more in common with maybe one of the other yeah. kids, you know, maybe you're really into sports and one of your kids really loves sports as well. So maybe you spend a lot more time with them with that area. You got, you go to the games together or you play, you know, ball in the yard a lot together and your other kid doesn't really, you know, that's not their, their vibe. Um, but that's where wisdom comes in as a parent, where as a parent, as a dad, you have to understand, you know what, with kid number one, I do these 12 things with kid number two. I have to find 12 things to balance that out, you know, and I think that that's really where good fatherhood comes in. Whereas like, you know, I have two boys, they're about four, uh, four years apart, three plus years apart. And it's like the older one, I'm going to be able to do stuff with the older one before I get to do it with the younger one. Yeah. So there's already a vibe and a connection and experience that we're going to have that I'm not going to have with the old, uh, with the younger one. But I have to be conscious of that. I have to try to loop them in in one way or another. If the older one likes to do, go, you know, watch baseball games or whatever the that thing is, um, and the other one doesn't. So then I'm going to baseball games with this one. We're going to concerts with this one. Or you know what? The three of us are all going together. You're going to suck it up with the baseball game. You're going to suck it up with the concert. Whatever the situation is, you really have to find the balance. Because I think that humanly, it is very easy to fall into favoritism. Yeah. You know, I think that as humans, we have our friends that we like more than others. You know, we have our people that we like more than others. Why? Because we maybe share more common interests or maybe it's a personality thing. You know, maybe you're very outgoing and one kid is more outgoing than the other. So then you find yourself, you know, doing more things with one versus the other. You know, you just have as a great parent mother or father you really have to be conscious of those things because those are things that pile up over time and the kids are going to notice and you know i think that in family dynamics i play around a lot i have uh, three other siblings and i'm like i'm the favorite i always like i'm throwing that out there you know playing around order but the reality is it's really a tie between me when we stop (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know you're you just vibe differently with your parents like with my mom i think that i have mastered the ability to communicate with her Mm -hmm. you know where everybody else maybe is kind of like mom is always yelling or mom is always this or whatever it's like i've already mastered the ability to communicate with her so that when she starts to like go down a path i'm like okay come back here and you're also the oldest right so again the second oldest oh second oldest right so it's the idea um you know of you having like you said more years of experience and communication and encounters to kind of like know but you also have to be you know this is kind of like maybe for a kid's episode uh but i think that also as the kid you need to be conscious of your parents personality their upbringing their experiences as well so that you can understand how their mind works to then better communicate with them also you know it's a two-way street but reality the responsibility really falls on the parents to establish those lines of of communication if you have really good kids like me (laughs) then they'll go the extra effort of building those bridges that you failed to bridge yeah so for sure yeah then we go to moses right moses um was this person father that when you look at right uh from the beginning of his life Mm -hmm. right 
anytime I think of Moses, I think of the Prince of Egypt, right? I, I picture the scene where the mother is placing him in the basket, throwing yes. him in the Nile River, throwing him, pu- placing him placing gently, him. crying, <laughs> right? In the Nile River, right? Crocodiles, uh, yeah. alligators, whales, all of that, In the right? river, whales in the, in the river. river. Yes, <laughs> going, you know, and, uh, and him being okay and yeah. protected, you know what I mean? Um, then I think of him and the burning bush situation. Then I think mm-hmm. of him parting the Red Sea. Like what? Right. Almost like Moses being this larger than life, invincible of a person that I think oftentimes fathers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can carry that kind of burden or pressure of needing to have all the answers, mm-hmm. right? Knowing a lot and having a lot of wisdom, like, you know, it, it, even for me, right? And um, when I don't know something, when I have questions about something, when something happens to my car and I just need like, you know, what is that again? How do I deal with this, right? Or just like adulting stuff when it comes to taxes and, you know, um, registering for your license again and mm-hmm. you have all these weird <laughs> things that you have to do, right? It's like, you know, how do I do that again? What And, and I, I'll call my dad, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and I think as a kid, it was the same thing. The idea that my dad will know, you know, my dad will have the answers and all mm. of that. Right. Um, my dad was great at telling me things and giving mm. me answers and whatever. But he was also the one that would be like, look it up mm-hmm. or go find out, go ask, call them. And I used to hate. I mean, I still do talking on the <laughs> phone. Right. And I used to always tell him, can you just call and find out? And he'd be like, okay, you can call. No, mm. call them. Call them tomorrow. I'm like, I know. But the thing is that at this time, it's going to be hard because this and the other thing. Well, then call them at that time. You know? Mm. So he was also very good at putting me out there, yeah. right, um, to do things on my own. But I think that oftentimes fathers can have this pressure of having to be everything, right, mm. for, for their children, right, and even for other people in their life. Um, and we see that. Moses, although he was this larger than life of an epic hero type person, Mm -hmm. you know, taking the people out of slavery and all of those things, Moses was still a man and he was still human, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas, you know, fathers, though they may have amazing qualities, they may be there for you, they may show you all the love and care and do the things that you can and have, you know, answers that you don't, they are still human. They're still a man, right? Um, And no one, right, can completely follow God um, perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We make mistakes and we have flaws. We all need a savior. So I think Moses is a very good example of that father who um, made mistakes. God used greatly Mm -hmm. and he did amazing supernatural things. But we have that reminder that even through all of that, he was called, he was anointed, had encounters with God, but he was still human. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we can jump right into David, you know, someone who has the epic stories in the Bible. You know, you think of David, you think of David and Goliath. You think of David as someone who was, you know, fighting bears and lions and tigers. Oh, my. Like, you know, that whole situation. And, you know, imagine him as a man who is someone who maybe had, you know, grew up and relatively, you know, he was a, he was a shepherd. Was that wasn't the fanciest thing he could be doing or whatever, but had a really cool trajectory in life. Uh, you know, really dangerous situations, uh, really complicated, tough tasks that were given to him that he was very successful in. Yeah. And he was, Imagine being David's son and yes. bragging about your dad yeah. fighting a lion with his bare hands. Yes. You know what I mean? What did your dad do? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like he 
got a mouse this morning. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, but with all that being said, he also had some epic fails as well. You know, he kind of organized the murder. He was an adulterer. He did, you know, there's there's stuff in the mix of all the great things um, that he kind of messed up in because of his humanity. And I think that that's something that is a very key factor that the world really needs to be okay with understanding that dads are humans. I think that, you know, they, and with that, I mean that the idea of, you know, they could be successful. They could be people that work a lot for their family. They could be people that are always there to fix whatever mess is happening with whoever and all that other stuff. Um, but they're also human. Yeah. So with that comes human emotions, with that comes struggles, with that comes, you know, moments of needing a break or a rest or moments of needing to be counseled themselves or moments, uh, you know, like give them their props in whatever situation. Uh, but also understanding they're going to mess up point blank period. Unfortunately, you know, as a dad, that doesn't give you automatic like immunity to messing up. Yeah. You know, you're going to mess up whether it is in how you do something and how you say something and how you attack a a situation, or maybe you do something you're not supposed to be doing. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, what we can learn from the story of David is, you know, someone who, you know, look at David as an example of someone who wasn't, who understood he had to go to God. Mm -hmm. who knew that even in the moments that he messed up, that he can go to God with his situations. Uh, Because I think that as a dad, you want to establish that that as an idea in your family where, you know what, when I mess up, I go to God and, you know, I speak to God about it and he helps me and he guides me through those situations. Because in a way, you kind of want your kids to be able to do that, to go to God with their situations, but you also want them to go to you. Yeah. You know, so if you don't create that environment where, you know, your kids could be doing awesome and then one day they mess up, that they can't go to you, then who are they going to go to? Yes, they can go to God, but then what if they go to somebody else? So, you know, as a dad, you really want to establish that idea that, listen, you know, I'm human, I mess up, I try my best, but when I mess up, I go to God, and, you know, you can come to me, and we can go to God together, and, you know, really create um, that idea in a family setting. Yeah, and I want to speak on this, but obviously um, it's not my experience, right? Mm -hmm. So I know every situation is so different, right? Um, But... I I have seen uh, fathers who maybe weren't the best fathers, mm-hmm. right, to their children, and their children kind of grow up with, you know, um, a negative, you know, father experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the father was completely, like, disconnected from them, um, but then there comes a certain point where the father wants to kind of step back into you know, the child's life. Yeah. Right. Um, and kind of, you know, they're regretful, they're sorry, they feel guilty and all of those things and feelings. Right. And I think that again, every scenario is so different, Mm. right. And, um, has to be handled accordingly. Uh, but I think one of the things we see here with David is the idea of redemption, Mm -hmm. right. And, um, how David, um, even through all of his sins and his mess ups, right suffered consequences yet at the end right it was a redemptive story yeah and we see that even till this day right being known as a man after god's God's own own heart heart, even though he was a murderer and an adulterer and a liar and all of these things um god still was able to redeem him and change Mm. his story so i'm sure there are fathers out there who for whatever reason were not the best fathers right Mm -hmm. and they did not do the right thing 
And I'm sure that maybe there comes a point where either they find Jesus, Jesus slaps them in the face, they recognize, <laughs> they go through it, where then they realize, you know, what their problem was, what their issue was. They realize that it's not too late. Mm. Um, and then there are oftentimes where the children are just so hurt by it and so wounded where they don't even want that anymore mm. or don't give it any attention or pay it any mind. But then you see mm. the families uh, and the children who give their dad that chance mm. right and that in itself i'm sure is a whole journey of good days bad days good moments bad moments and healing that needs to take place but i've seen you know individuals you know whose families have had that redemptive story of mm-hmm. a father who you know wasn't there and then you know there's forgiveness there's healing there's reconciliation and you know not that it's like 100% and it's like this whole big thing but you can clearly see mm-hmm. that god did something with the father and the children yeah and i think that you know like you mentioned before there there are exceptions to every situation mm-hmm. you know there are families that experience that hallmark moment you know the hallmark movie moment um and then there are people who kind of can't the dad can get redeemed and he can have a whole you know moment um where god did step in the face he did it you know 180 got his life together and all that other stuff and as a child they can't forgive them but that doesn't mean they need to be integrated yeah. back into the situation you know the, the each situation and scenario is different um and if that is something that you're looking for you know you've been praying for your dad whatever his situation is and you know your and your prayer is answered and you want to reintegrate him back into your life then absolutely go right ahead and do that um but then there are certain life situations that are kind of like i'm happy for you i'm glad that you know you found the lord and he's working in your heart from a distance and that's okay also you know, there isn't, uh, you know, there, there, I think that there is a line that I always like to make sure that it's clear where, you know, just because we forgive someone doesn't mean you regain access to my life type of situation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you may forgive somebody or you may forgive a dad, whether they were absent or abusive or they were just like a crappy dad. They may, maybe they didn't do anything too crazy. They were just that wasn't a role that they excelled in. Um, but you're in a place in your life where you kind of moved on with that. And that's OK, too. You don't have to, like, take me out to baseball games now. <laughs> no, it's like I'm 43. No, I'm not 43. But, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like that ship has sailed and that's OK also. Yeah. And again, I think it's up to the individual who may want that, may not want that, may see it's best for them and the people around them. Yeah. And then at times it may not be the best, you know, so definitely um, needing that wisdom, you Mm -hmm. know, also. But then we move on to the next uh, father, Joseph, Mm -hmm. not Joseph with the coat of many colors, (laughs) but Joseph, the father of Jesus, the earthly father of Jesus. Yeah. Tell is that me? You're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I find Joseph's story to resemble or represent in an inadvertently way is the idea of like stepfathers. Um, you know, obviously he was Jesus's father on earth, but you know, I think they all knew Jesus didn't come from him. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, it's kind of like this idea of now I have been given the task and the responsibility to care, to care for someone who isn't mine. And I think that there are dads out there. There are men out there that excel at this. And there's men out there that don't. Same way that, you know, whatever. Um, and I think that as a dad, as a man who is put in a situation where either they're a stepdad or they're a foster dad or an adoptive uh, dad to someone, you know, I think it's your responsibility to love them as if they're your own 
point blank period you know that that idea of you know he's not one of mine so i'm just gonna like really pay attention to the ones that are that's messed up and that is not right that is not godly that is not you know what god has called us to do um and you know never in the you know the, the bible doesn't speak a lot about you know the relationship between joseph and jesus uh but you do see that he picked up his trade he was a carpenter as well and in order for something like that to happen that means that there was a connection there there was a relatability factor there was moments where they bonded and they you know he taught them together and all that other stuff you know so that that is an example of a man who saw a situation that is not a situation that everybody else is going to go through, but it's a situation in which he was put in to take care for the child that wasn't technically his and did his best in that situation. Yeah, and also facing the disgrace, right, of mm -hmm. the whole situation and how Jesus came about, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and him and Mary and that whole thing, right? They were disgraced before their people. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? How many times did they have to flee and trust God in that process? And Joseph kind of being the head of that family, I'm sure there was a lot of pressure, right, yes. and a lot of concern and worry. But, you know, we see... uh the redemptive, you know, mm -hmm. story at the end. And we see how God was, was in it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately leading up to the ultimate father, right. Mm -hmm. God, the father, um, and you know, God, the father resembling and reflecting all of the characteristics of the perfect dad, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And beyond right. Characteristics and qualities, traits that we can't even imagine or think of, or, you know, um, even fathom, right? Just how great of a father he truly is. You know, I think of the song "Good, Good Father." You know what I mean? Um, and and it and it truly is a true a true statement, right? The idea that um, when you think of your own dad, right? And mm -hmm. although you know the your dad may have been awesome and amazing and you know just the best, I'm sure you can think of moments where he wasn't, mm -hmm. right? Or moments where he said things he shouldn't have or acted in a way he shouldn't have acted. Um, and we have to know that, you know, as God, right, being our father, we won't have those moments. You know yeah. what I mean? You may have the moments where you feel like this wasn't the best thing. God, why did this happen? You may feel like God wasn't there for you. You may feel right that God has left you alone for whatever reason. It's not the case, though. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and I think in the same way that you may have some, you know, clashing and bump heads and some brawls with your earthly dad you may have that with god at times mm -hmm. you know what i mean and you may have those situations or those moments where you may feel like he's far where you may feel like he's not listening and all of those things but deep down inside we know that he is there and deep down inside we know that he is listening he is a protector he is faithful he doesn't change he's his mood isn't dependent on whether you know uh you know he got what he wanted that day or whether you're doing the right thing or not right he's not changing right we 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 serve a god that's our father that's loving that's kind and you know, isn't in it for something else and isn't out to trick us and get us and all of these things. So when we talk about fathers, I think, you know, obviously he is the ultimate father and the ultimate example of a father's love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, that that's cherry on top. Boom. Drop the mic type of situation. You know, when it comes to God, you know, he is love. He is faithful. He is consistent. 
Um, he is all knowing and sometimes that's annoying. Um, you know, and I, you, you see that in your relationship with your, you know, if your parents where sometimes you think, you know, better, sometimes you think, you know, I want to do it this way. And your parent yeah. or your dad is like, no, I think you should do it. No, but I want to do it this way. You know, sometimes that happens with God as well, where, you know, you kind of want to do something a certain way and God is leading you in a different direction or isn't allowing it to work that way. But is there their wisdom? And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, as men, we have a responsibility to when we're put in a position of fatherhood to really try our best. Your best is going to look different than my best because um, I think that we're not all equipped the same way. Unfortunately, because of life situations and circumstances and personalities, you know, we're all not given the same tools to work with. Um, but if you don't have those tools, then you look for them. You, edu you educate yourself, whether it is you read books or you get close to other dads and you learn from their experiences or whatever, you know, because at the end of the day, you're just trying to do your best yeah. because you. I look at it from the point of view of, you know, I'm someone who didn't grow up with the best male role models and all that other stuff or whatever. And we've spoken about this before in other episodes as well. But it is I, my kids are here. So mm -hmm. I have a responsibility to do my best regardless of the card, uh, you know, the hand that I was dealt with or whatever. And, you know, wherever I feel like I have shortcomings, then I have to figure out a way to bring those levels up. And I think that, you know, you have to do that as a man. And then for the kids and the moms and everybody else out there, you know, really make sure that you're checking in, checking in on these men who are trying their best. And, and I emphasize trying their best. They will make mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, you may get frustrated with them as well. Um, but just always, you know, make sure to check in on these men and to, like, really, you know, let them know you love them, that you care for them, that you appreciate, you know, the things that they're doing. And if they need to fix something, you can tell them that, too. But there's a way to do that. Uh, and, you know, you just try your best to communicate with them as best as you can. Absolutely. So shout out to all the dads and fathers out there. Yes. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed your Father's Day weekend. Um, you know, shout out to my own dad. He does listen to the podcast and yeah. he does, you know, um, he's always been one of my biggest, you know, supporters of just mm -hmm. everything that I do and, you know, um, the lessons that I've learned and all of those things. Like I've, I've learned so much from him um, and his example. Um, so definitely shout out, you know, to him and the example of being a great dad. Shout out to you. Right. Um, you being a great dad, <laughs> uh, you know, is one of those things where, um, you know, you. As a friend, you see mm. someone before they're like married then you mm. see them when they're married then you see them before they have kids then you see them when they have their first kid mm. then you see them when they have their second kid you know mm. what i mean um so through all of that i think you have been a great dad and yeah. you're you know i told you before and all of that but shout yeah. out to you yes thank right? you and um to all the dads out there again listening mm. thank you for uh doing what you need to do you yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. Not being a statistic, mm -hmm. not being, you know, because I think oftentimes on Father's Day, we don't really do this on Mother's Day, but on mm -hmm. Father's Day, we like to throw out statistics, yeah. right? <laughs> um, Mother's Day, you don't really talk about, yeah. you know, the Father's uh, Day 93% when, uh, of all, you know, who grew up without a mother. We don't really yeah. do that. No, on Father's Day is when the, the single ladies come out. It's like, shout out to those moms that had to step yes, in as a father. Yes, and yes. like, okay, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need to do that yeah, on your yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely you know uh shout out to the great dads out there so thank you you know for listening to our episode yes. today thank you for watching for subscribing um for sharing our podcast again be sure to subscribe hit the like button comment share let us know your thoughts 
And um, if you want to shout out your dad, shout him out. Yes. And definitely thank you for listening. Yeah. And if you want to, you know, let like I always say, sometimes it's hard to communicate certain things to people. Send them this podcast episode. Be like, hey, listen to it. I think it'll be really good. And call me when you're done. And then that'll open up an opportunity to have a conversation with them. So thank you once again for tuning into the latest episode of the God Life Culture podcast. That's God, God Life Culture. Culture. Until next time. See ya. Bye.